Hello, fellow cinephiles. We are back again uh, with another edition of The Real Shorts. This time we are reviewing Ready Player One. And I am joined tonight by my good buddy who's been on the show before, Barry Rowan. Hello. How are you doing, Barry? Good to uh, good to see all of you uh, with my ears. Or, I, don't, I don't know. Seeing with your ears, it's a yeah. podcast. I don't know. It's rough. Yeah. Um, hi. How's it going? Good. So we just saw Ready Player One in the Dolby Cinema. We did. Um, can we maybe try to explain a little bit of what Dolby Cinema means? We didn't yeah, get we didn't yeah. get much kind of at the beginning with like the previews. It 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 sort of shows yeah. like kind of when you sit down to watch and they do their trailers and then it and then the trailers end and it kind of turns into like they'll do a side by side comparison. Like this is what a normal movie screen looks like, but then this is what the Dolby Cinema looks like, and it's got um like. Some of the buzzwords you hear with like home entertainment are like Dolby, Dolby Atmos sound, mm-hmm. Dolby Vision uh, with picture quality, um, and so this presumably is kind of the the big, the large scale theatrical presentation version of all that. Yeah. Um, so the theater is equipped with a Dolby Atmos sound system, and the, on the and the picture quality is, from what I've seen, I go to a ton of movies. It's my favorite and the most substantial quality uh, picture and presentation that I've that I've seen, um, barring maybe some like thirty-five millimeter and seventy millimeter film shows that I've seen. Uh, but uh, what makes these what makes this Adobe so great is that it's um, it's got a really I guess a, a high higher color gamut than normal screens and. Um, it's a dual projector for some reason. I don't remember what that's supposed to do. Apparently, it's supposed to kind of balance the image on your eye, for your eyes so that it doesn't give you headaches. They said that that's mm. especially works for 3D. They said their 3D doesn't cause headaches like some normal stuff yeah. uh, yeah. normal stuff does. Um, so yeah, this is this is Ready Player One was the movie we saw, and um, I was fortunate enough to see a preview of this um, about a week or so early. And I was, I also saw it then on the Dolby screen and I was just absolutely blown away when I saw it for the first time in Dolby. Um, this is the kind of movie that's tailor made for this large format. Um, especially with all of the vivid details and sound effects and, uh, visual effects and things that are going on. Um, it actually really benefits, I think, from the crazy sound system and crazy you know really great picture quality you can see all of the details and all of the colors and everything as as they were intended and um i think that made the film presentation a lot better but the film as a whole judging on its own merits is just really i think it's i think it's awesome i don't know i didn't ask you on the way out so what do you think what did you think just off the top of your head i enjoyed it yeah um i'm gonna kind of be a cranky old man about it but <laughs> the dolby thing was cool yeah uh it was it's it's cool but for me it kind of felt like you know sort of a one-note thing I, like I, I don't know it's it's so like it's probably lame to say it but i was just like i just want to see the movie yeah <laughs> but uh but it was cool um as far as the film goes is that what you're asking yeah you know, yeah. yeah um I thought it was a little bit long, overall. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just under two and a half hours, I think. Man, felt a little. And bit... for me, and for me, it kind yeah. of it, it actually kind of moves for a lot of yeah. two and a half hour movies. 
especially two and a half hour movies of this ilk. Yeah. I think yeah. the pace is amazing. I, you know, it's, it's, it's tough because anytime you see a Spielberg movie, even if you complain about it, you know, you're complaining about like great art. Right. You know? It's just like, <laughs> it's like even it's the like post. It's like pizza or like, like sex where it's like, even if it's not that great, it's yeah. still better than nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So it was just like, it was a sweet treat. Yeah. Like, it's, that's the thing. Like, I don't know. It's, it, it definitely feels like a fool's game to, yeah, yeah. to like, try to criticize Spielberg. Oh, absolutely. And there was a lot of kind of undue uh, skepticism, I think, with this one heading in. It was, I don't yeah. know. There were, uh, Which I'm like, cool. Steven try Spielberg, to fight right. off some new territory. <laughs> right. He, I don't know, there were some, some scenes, like specifically the first scene where they meet, um, where Wade and, and Sam meet mm. on, on top of that rooftop. And, you know, they're... they're it's a very romantic scene. Yeah, it is. Like, I kept thinking, like, Spielberg can get predictable, and yet he's just such a romantic <laughs> that I will get swept up in it yeah. every single time. Yeah. It's like a freaking soap opera. Like, I just, um, and that's that's what gets me. That's why I mean, that's why it feels like a fool's game because okay. he's still tricking me. Yeah, you know, yeah. like I'm still falling for it. I'm still yeah. eating it up. It's still just dessert. Um, totally. So, I don't know. It's it's tricky because it, I don't know if I fully got it at the end. Like I'm not yeah. sure I was invested enough. Yeah. Like. No, that's that's a good point. The ending is not. And the ending of the book wasn't great. I I honestly I like the movie better than the book. Yeah. Uh, as a complete story, hmm. story arc that doesn't get too bogged down in unnecessary yeah. details. Um. And the ending of the book is a little strange as well. Um, and I wish some of the characters, especially the, the female characters, were a little better written. Yeah. Um, that's probably my biggest complaint with it. <laughs> yeah, that's and, a good point. Um, and Very I actually found out that I think Letitia Wright, who played Shuri in Black Panther, who everybody loves right now. Okay. Um, but his little sister oh, in Black yeah, Panther. Yeah, yeah. She was like the best part of that movie. She and I think there's another sort of you know quote unquote hot young actor or actress that's like that was supposed to be in this. Yeah. But I was looking. I was like, where where were they? Yeah. And uh, I, I can only imagine that they had their roles significantly cut. Man, I was I was actually really excited to see that Lena Waithe was in it. Oh yeah, yeah. How awesome is she? But at the same time, you know. Yeah, I I, I, I get like it. her. I, yeah. I think it's awesome that we've got you know a gay black woman. In a Spielberg movie, yeah, you know, it's going to be yeah. get all this exposure. I think that's awesome. Yeah, and but she's not a wonderful actress. I think she was better in this than I had seen her in Master of None for sure. I think she's definitely growing as an actress. Yeah, but I don't know. You know, that said, not to single her out because I didn't feel like it was a great acted movie. Like Ben yeah. Mendelsohn was good. Yeah. Ben Mendelsohn as, um, as as always, especially the in the villain role. Wait, I don't know his name. Wasn't, wasn't blown away. Um, yeah, he's he's done better. I just thought, I don't know. Even the voiceover, I didn't think yeah. was greatly acted. Um, you know, it's tough. It's tough for actors to be working in a, in a film like this where things are not tangible and the right. actions they have to perform, they can't actually perform them. Like I can't imagine that's such a tall order yeah. for an actor. But what's interesting about this too is that it's. Um, We've seen uh, Spielberg's also dabbled in some of the motion capture 
uh, features like uh, didn't he do? I guess he produced that Tintin movie that came out. I think a few years ago. Did he? I, no, I think Peter. He, or did he direct it? Because Peter, I thought it was either him or Peter Jackson. Yeah, maybe you're right. I don't know. I um, but uh, so he that was, was cool involved movie. with that one, and yeah. then he was uh, was he on the Polar Express? That was Zemeckis, yeah. I think. Who then also I, did a Christmas Carol say, with Jim Carrey I love for Disney. All the Zemeckis love. Yeah, wasn't that love. cool? I mean, that was just filmmaker fun, right yeah, there. Yeah, and uh, Spielberg and Zemeckis have worked together. Uh, yeah, I think a number of times. So that's kind of fun that they were. No shame. He was able I to kind of get shit the, up all yeah. day. This, there was, yeah. It was, uh, the, the Zemeckis cube for the Rubik's cube, yeah. and then all of the I'm Back just, to the Future references were on point. Yeah. Um, you get to see for me, you get to that point where it's just like, just keep feeding me that stuff. I'm not even going to worry about the story because yeah. I'm just like, do more cool things. Go inside a Kubrick movie. Like, <laughs> is that not the best part of the whole thing though? It's pretty when, fun. Like, uh, it just as somebody that's just into into movies, like, yeah, to to kind of be telling yourself oh my god spielberg yeah. basically just remade a couple of the best scenes of this of the shining I, and I'll just like he though. just went inside that world and play in kubrick's world yeah. and just played with it as Which i guess you know he loved oh my god i, mean, I, I can only imagine like that if there's one thing that i would want to ask spielberg about specifically with regard to this movie yeah. in addition to so many countless other things uh <laughs> it would definitely be how what this meant to him kind of getting to to dabble yeah, with that's a good point the shining but i would have loved to have seen him read ernest klein's book and then think okay how can i relate this to me even more you know what if he had changed it to be kind of you know his passion project about cinema like maybe what scorsese did with hugo he could approach you know film. maybe he's traveling through films i mean i would love to see him go even deeper into that kubrick thing and like follow through with his passion and his mm. his because i mean he had a great relationship with kubrick yeah, yeah. and uh you know he I, I feel like he could have told maybe even a greater story about two creatives like like he was doing right, with right, this right. one right um maybe if he had gone a little closer to the heart um again it's yeah. dumb to say this about spielberg it's like <laughs> who am i right no but he uh he has said that the reason he he always thought that this movie should have been done by a younger hipper yeah. quote-unquote hipper director so he um, hired himself well he <laughs> read well he read the book <laughs> right he read the book yeah and he thought there's no way that i can do this this belongs to somebody yeah younger but then he got he got hooked on the idea of virtual reality and a live simulation that in, in you know totally takes over the world and mm-hmm. he was so drawn to that to that idea that he couldn't resist being the one to tell this story and it, it just happened to be you know, based on source material that would literally not exist without him in the first yeah, place. Yeah. So it seems kind of like the whole thing has come full circle creatively with That's fair, yeah. him directing the movie adaptation. <laughs> I mean, and he did lean on a lot of the Back to the Future stuff, which is fair, I mean, to that point. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. it's kind of his right, right there. But he did he um, did keep some references to his own movies relatively scant. Which yeah, was, he did. I noticed, I noticed this time, this being the second time I saw it, there was a quick shot of two of the gremlins... Attacking oh. someone on uh, in the at the end of planet on planet doom, I noticed. Oh, I didn't see that at all. Uh, that funny. was really quick. It was literally wow. blinking. You miss it. Um, <laughs> I love the Goldie Wilson poster and yeah, H's right. uh, pad or yeah. whatever. That was pretty pretty awesome. Um, um, so yeah, the just but but that's the thing too is that uh, that I like about the movie is that the, all of these you know fun little Easter eggs and uh, and references that um, people kind of 
at least online and in some of the conversations surrounding the movie were worried about is that oh it's just going to be nostalgia porn and it's just going to be yeah. you know a cavalcade of references and it's only going to be funny because oh it's like oh, I remember that like mm-hmm. but I I couldn't disagree more I think the all of the the pop culture beats are all uh they're all kind of in dialogue with the scene yeah and the characters themselves and the two are so ingrained with each other that yeah they can throw hello kitty in there and it not you know and it's, it's just tricky. be a it's thing like, like but i still have this feeling like the emotion feels a little repetitive yeah like it just feels like it feels like classic spielberg which again is gold but, but there's, yeah there's nothing it's wrong like with how that. do we reinvent reinvent that how do we shake that up a little bit so as i as shake it off plays i'm, I'm saying yeah. how do we shake it up a little bit um i don't know well if i did then i would have you know emailed him yeah. Gotten through immediately, and then we would have, you know, not be having this conversation. Taking a meeting at Amblin, Amblin's yeah. offices. As I do. Uh, um. But, I, I, no, I think you've got a point there, but I, this is the first movie of this kind that he's made in, you could argue Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull, but hmm. not really. Even before that, it's been probably, I mean, it's yeah. pushing 20 or, 20 or more years. Um, I think AI has any AI maybe I, AI is probably the closest then you know I um, kept thinking about AI AI is kind of more in tune with like the sort of Alex Garland brand of sci-fi right yeah. now or Minority Report or War of the Worlds maybe yeah. which are pushing you know War of the Worlds was 2005 yeah um, so it's been a while since he's done kind of a big you know sci-fi popcorn adventure and um, especially one with where the book kind of owes a lot to sort of those classic Amblin years that we all think about, like the Goonies and yeah. um, Gremlins even. And not and he didn't even direct all these, just stuff that he was attached to even as a producer um, throughout like the the late 70s and most of the 80s and then the early 90s. You got Hook. Yeah. Um, just the, those ones where, you know, you think of like the kids that were our age when the movies came out, kind of, you know, being on an adventure, they're in peril. And then, you know, Hook, a Hook big... is a great example of, I feel like, Spielberg's, you know, emotional tendencies and a great actor like Robin Williams just, just feeding off of one another yeah, and really yeah, like yeah. living like that really thriving. Yeah. And maybe that's what we needed in this movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just just that relationship that it was existing. Yeah. But thinking of AI, I started thinking like I think how old was Kubrick when he died? I think he was like seventy. Like yeah, something he, like that. I mean late sixties, so, early seventies. Uh, Spielberg's what? Seventy five, seventy six? Is he that old? I don't know if he's that old. Born in what? Forty six, I think. Maybe seventy two. Okay. I think he's in his bad. early seventies. Yeah, seventy one, seventy two. Yeah. Anyways, it makes me think though, like AI was this passion project between Spielberg and Kubrick. Yeah. Before Kubrick died. Right. Maybe, maybe Spielberg needs you know some some young Padawan or something like that. <laughs> um, some filmmaker, you know, who can take over his next big movie when a, he dies in the middle of a it. A Denny, uh, Ridley <laughs> Scott thing going yeah, here. I okay. mean, that worked out great. Yeah. So. Uh, God, I can't imagine. Um, just because it's hard, it's hard to imagine just kind of, you know, losing a guy like Spielberg, but, um... I know, right? Yeah. But... What will cinema do? <laughs> I, I... I mean, my, from my review, it sounds like we'll be fine, right? But Yeah, like, no, you're fine, but... I, I seriously do worry about it. I, um... I don't know. I... I like this movie a lot. Not because of I, I noted I, I said something on Twitter earlier where I said this movie's nos- like taps into its nostalgia factor not for the reason 
that's plastered all over the trailers. I think it taps into the the sense of nostalgia that comes with specifically the kind of movies that Spielberg used to make, and that's kind of what I was trying to get at. Mm-hmm. Was that um, especially the first time I saw it? It sort of uh, tapped for me. It sort of tapped into this um, special kind of sort of childlike wonder um, um, that comes with you know not just with the story with characters on screen you know seeing and doing amazing things um and even realizing that their own them, their own selves but just kind of the visual splendor of some of those the the 80s kids movies that he did um and how exciting all of that was when all of those things worked in tandem with one another sure this is the first movie he's made i think probably since the 80s that sort of brings that magic yeah. back yeah um and I, uh, that's really the biggest the biggest thing I love about it. And it's just it's icing on the cake that it's got slam bang action piece, set pieces, just amazing, you know, um, intense yeah. action. Um, the visual effects are, frankly, in my opinion, astounding. I was pretty pleased. I mean, I saw Black Panther on Sunday, yeah. and that was you know, while I did love the story of Black Panther and I, uh, all of the politics in it, I thought were like really eloquently done. The CG, oddly enough, was the thing. It was just like, what is going on here? Like, yeah, in Black Panther, yeah. Like, I, I just read American Cinematographer, right. yeah. all about <laughs> it that day, yeah. And I was reading all Rachel Morrison stuff about the lighting and just like how exciting it was for her. And then I was just like, I, I mean, you know what? Not to go on a tangent about lighting in Black Panther, but like, I'm sure you can light it well. It's just matching that, and it just didn't feel like things were matching. It was like, Horace yeah. Whitaker's not there, right? But I had I felt really good about this one. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's kind of got this I don't know easy um, I don't know it's got a maybe some sort of advantage in the fact that it's set in the video game world. So there's a lot of leeway there. Yeah. You know? um, Wade doesn't have to look perfect yeah. in this. Yeah. Doesn't have to look perfectly realistic yeah. in this world. Um, yeah. So it does. So I mean, a lot of the obviously since the game the Oasis video game is based on myriad cartoon movie video game characters throughout pop pop culture history it would stand to reason that things still look cartoonish yeah but that being said even com- comparing to black panther like you were getting at is that the 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 quality of you know the visuals of any you know at any one moment in time in ready player one is just is unbelievable um it also it, like has a look you know? Yeah, it definitely Whereas Black does. Panther didn't have, yeah. I don't know, necessarily a specific look. Mm. This is like a super desaturated, yeah. like, grim kind of looking world. Yeah. And it was amazing to me how, how easy the transitions felt between real world and video game world. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very impressed by that. And, yeah. And that's not just the visual effects work, too. That's Janusz Kaminski doing some of his best work in years on a Spielberg movie, I think. Um, and talking about earlier circling back to the beginning of the conversation where you were wondering how Spielberg might be able to reinvent himself kind of coming into this kind of a movie yeah I think it's shot like no other movie he's ever done Hmm. especially uh some of the Oasis sequences there are um there are a lot of like just swooping tracking shots that kind of um and like single take stuff 
that just kind of swoops across the landscape and down to a like kind yeah. of a really subjective point. And then we'll kind of zoom out and swirl around again and focus on another point. Yeah. And then we'll kind of defocus and swirl around the object again and kind of take another angle. And um, especially like if you watch that race the scene, opening race, the, yeah. especially the, the first time you run. Probably the, my favorite. Sprite, I would say. Right. Probably my favorite part of the film. Yeah. Was that not the greatest um, thing? Yeah. Especially with that, that crazy King Kong sound system and you know, oh, yeah, all that. That was um, good. Yeah. But yeah, so King yeah. Kong and the Jurassic Park dinosaur and yeah. uh, all of the other crazy crazy stuff in there. Um, man. I if you yeah, if you go back and watch that movie again and, and sort of that's what's gonna be kind of fun, at least, you know, for me personally, I, I know that I'm thinking about like, you know, watching this at home on Blu-ray and like, you know, pausing, fast forwarding, watching with the commentary, hopefully, who knows. Um, Spielberg do commentaries generally. Know. And Warner okay. Brothers has been stingy about some of their bonus lately, so yeah. hopefully hopefully we get something. I don't yeah. know. Um, I'd even take one with Klein and Zach Penn who wrote the script. So Yeah. Um, totally. Yeah. I I I just I was blown away by some of the, the camera work that um, looked to me like something that I had never seen in a Spielberg movie before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was part of it, mm-hmm. you know, adding to some of the really unique uh, visual approach he took with this. How did you feel about Ben Mendelsohn, like compared to other roles that he's he's been compared in? Compared to other roles that he's done, yeah, yeah I, you know, it's him playing a villain again. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I mean, franchise he's, he's of, always going to be, but yeah, but I think he's always going to be at worst serviceable, at best amazing, yeah, as a villain. And I think he kind of falls somewhere in between. I like, always think he's interesting. Absolutely. I'm really, I really kind of want to see him do another just dirty, gross role, though. Yeah, I like and just my, be kind of a slime ball. Like my favorite role of his by far is uh, his character on Bloodline. You yeah, ever watch Bloodline I on did. Netflix? He was the uh, most interesting Danny. part yeah, of that show. Absolutely. Um, uh, kind of took like a was... Joker to Batman role with him and Kyle Chandler in that show, and it's. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh my God, he's amazing, and um, so just even kind of like, I liked him better in this than even Rogue One, where he played Orson yeah. Krennic. Sure, um, sure. Krennic, you know, a nasty villain in Rogue One, but again, you know, not a guy that's given. Yeah, there's, there's a lot a of posture. More... He does a lot of posturing in that movie. <laughs> there's a lot more wiggle I've, room, I think, in this role. I feel like he's done some movies, some villain roles, where he does some posturing. I think in this one, he actually, especially later in the film, he actually kind of gets down to business. Yeah. Um, and he's he's got he plays it with kind of two two different sides, but even the one side is kind of like you know he's trying to be nice, but he knows at his heart like he's an asshole and like yeah. so it's kind of interesting to see how he kind of plays with sort of the dynamics of he Nolan got Sorrento me in that scene where he's you know lying to the kid about knowing Fast Times at Richmond High right. and the difference between that and John Hughes movies or, yeah. Um, like the way he was selling that, I really enjoyed watching the light of this kid. Yeah, like it was just yeah. like fun. Yeah, because he's just like, uh, yeah, I don't know. He's so he's smarmy, just, like, yeah. But he's he's great. He's so smug. Yeah, he plays a great asshole. Like, <laughs> just so good. Yeah, he certainly does. Um, but yeah, overall, um, it's never a wasted experience seeing a Spielberg movie in theaters. I mean, you know, because agree more. At some point in our lives, we're gonna be like. Oh yeah, Spielberg movie would come out, and I would we would all go to the theater. Yeah, I mean, you didn't miss a Spielberg movie, right? Uh, and not that I don't love his 
period dramas with Tom Hanks that he's been making for the last 20 years. <laughs> but I'm so happy he's made another movie like this. Yeah. And um, from I've heard I've heard him speak in a couple of interviews um, with you know this one getting ready to come out, and he said that. Uh, he wasn't sure how this experience was going to go. He said that this is his third most difficult movie he's ever done after Jaws number one mm. and Saving Private Ryan, I think, was number two, he said. Schindler's List was like a cakewalk, Appar- right? Apparently not. Yeah, apparently it was a cakewalk. Walk in the Park. Yeah. Um, <laughs> only the greatest movie of the 1990s, arguably. But <laughs> uh, so, Did you ever see that documentary on HBO? About him? Yes. It's on my list. My God, I need to. You I might go home and watch out. it tonight. It's, you know, another thing where it was just like candy. It's yeah. just like I get to know all this stuff. I get to see all these, all these pieces of footage. I get to hear Spielberg talk about all this work. Yeah. I mean, I heard an interview with the filmmakers, and they were like, "Oh, we had to cut out tons of stuff. Like, oh my God, we could have made this a film on each film." Yeah. And I was like, you, "When can you do? <laughs> I'm, I'm an editor. I'll, <laughs> I'll work on that <laughs> just for free. Right. Just give me a call. Oh my God. Uh, I mean, just if you watch that." You really get a feel for just the mastery and the love that he puts into all this. And there's a big focus on his family life yeah. and the way he puts his family life and his familial experiences into his film. Interesting. Okay. So you should check that out. Yeah. Um, I will. I will. And he... Um, What's that called? It's called Spielberg. Oh, okay. I yeah. think. That's um, a good title. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's apropos, I think. Um, but uh, I guess the last thing, I, I mean, I could go on for a while with this movie, but I think um, the last thing I would mention is that he uh, has said that this has kind of reinvigorated his interest in making movies like this. So this may not be the last type of film. I wonder what that means exactly. Yeah. So I know he's gearing up to do Indiana Jones 5. Yeah. Um, going to be the greatest film of all time, I'm It's sure. going to be the best of them, I'm sure. Uh <laughs> And, and but I don't know. Maybe he hopefully this experience encourages him to kind of even seek out more original stuff. Yeah, yeah. Because um, if anybody can get in, like a hundred and fifty million dollar sci-fi action comedy, yeah, made it would be Steven Spielberg. I would love to ha- have him like have a couple Coppola mo- mo- moments where he makes something like Youth Without Youth or yeah, starts writing you know a few original personal films, you know, really just trying to, I don't know. I'd like to see him do a horror movie. Yeah. That would be kind of interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah. Maybe one, well, like do one and then if just If it was that eloquently it. done, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. Because I don't think he's really done one before. It's not from Poltergeist, but I I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't he know. He's the ghost director, right? Uh, on that I just thing. hope that like, they come out and be like, Friday the 13th reboot scheduled for 2022, directed by Steven Spielberg. I don't think that's going to happen. I just want him to, I really want to see him put himself in a corner, you know, against the wall. Yeah. And who knows what that means. Right, right. It it would be cool to see him kind of pull a PTA and find a collective to shoot a film with, you know, to basically like shoot the film. Yeah. Um, And he's kind of got, he's kind of gotten to that, Tracky. I mean, he's used Mark Rylance now in three, at least three movies in a row. Yeah. He's getting ready to do uh, another kind of period drama, I think, starring Mark Rylance. Um, I don't remember the name of it. I think Road it's about Tradition a priest. Two. Yeah, right. The squeakle. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, so he seems to be kind of, you know, and obviously he works with Tom Hanks a lot. Yeah. And, you know, he's worked with the same cinematographer over the years and 
largely John Williams does all of his music. And yeah. so he's got sort of a creative group that he sticks with most of the time. It would be cool to see him work with, uh, like, I, I don't know. I just, you know, Spielberg is his own, you know, he's his own business now. He's got the same staff that he uses. Yeah. You know, he uses yeah. a lot of the same people as right. editor. And it would be really interesting to see him pare that all down, you yeah. know, yeah. pull up tools and, and this is the one podcast that uh, will convince him to do that. I hope he hears this. Well, thank you guys. I hope uh, you get out to see Ready Player One while it's in theaters. Uh, if you can, find it in a Dolby Cinema. Um, if not, if you don't have one of those, IMAX is the way to go. Just sit really close to the speaker. <laughs> yes, yeah, so your seat will you rumble. Can even do in the cinema? I uh, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Um, it's... I, like Barry was saying, even even though it's not like a Spielberg masterpiece, it's and leaning into more of my thought. Like I think it's as good as it needed to be. I think it's as good as anybody could have reasonably expected. Uh, and it's Steven Spielberg doing a movie that reminds us why we loved him for these kinds of movies to begin with. Um, and it's filled with all sorts of fun action and uh, some comedy beats that are pretty good and. Um, you know, st- stick around for all of the all of the good stuff. Um, there's a lot there to unpack, and hopefully you enjoy it. Um, but once you see it, make sure you uh, talk to us about it. I'm always at the real Benny C on Twitter and Instagram. Barry, do you I do not have, have social Twitter, media? But I have an Instagram. It's Barry underscore Weaver underscore Rowan because that's easy to remember. Yeah, just listen to this podcast. I literally just did that because David Lowry's is like that. So. And who better to emulate? All right, guys, thanks. We'll see you again soon. Cool.